2023. And uh, I trust that we will be taking up the challenge that I presented last week, that if you've got a friend or a family member or a, a work associate that you know is, is troubled with something in, the, in, in this, in this uh, day and age, then to pray that God will set them free through coming to faith in Jesus Christ this year. That's a challenge for me. I've got family members and friends and, um, and people that I work with in, in volunteer capacity that I would love to see come to faith in Jesus. So that's my challenge. And I put that out there for everybody as well. Okay. Does anybody know what's on the bottom of the sign out there on the street sign? What's the bottom line of it say? Oh, you're cheating. I saw you look out the window. What does it say? Shout it out for us. Following Jesus? Caring for each other? Impacting the world. That's good. Thank you for that. Following Jesus, caring for each other, impacting the world. Now, what's the point of putting street signs up if nobody reads them? So we at least should know what's on it, shouldn't we? And that's one of the, been one of the uh, mission statements, I guess, of our church for the last 12 or so years, that we want to be a people who are following Jesus. Amen to that? Caring for each other? Agree? What about impacting the world? Oh, some of us are a little bit shy about that, aren't we? What does that really mean? And normally about this time of the year, I'll preach three messages. One will be about following Jesus. One will be about caring for each other, and the other one will be about impacting the world. But I'm going to do it differently this year. I'm going to base the next three messages on what does it mean for us who are hoping to be involved in seeing people set free in 2023. What does it mean for us as a church, as God's people in this place, in this town, in these towns, in this, in this region, to impact the world for Jesus? What does that mean? So I'm hoping that over the next three weeks I might give you some or remind you of some information that's in the scriptures, that you might pray about a person and say, what does this mean for me, Lord? Show me how to do this. Lead me to the people that I might impact for Jesus. Here's a question. Are you up for the challenge? I thought that would be quiet. <laughs> you know, it is a bit of a step, isn't it? That if what sort of impact, some of us are very shy, so we don't want to have much of an impact at all. Like me, I'm so shy. Yeah, but wherever we go, the people next door, the people in our social activities, people in our family, we are leaving some mark in their lives. And I pray that it will be an impact for Jesus that we will see. Queensland Baptist have a focus in 2023. Their focus is effective mission. And what that means is they're encouraging the churches and people in the churches to share the gospel with someone this year. They're encouraging churches to consider starting new churches, if not actually starting them this year. So the aim is to see more people come to faith in Jesus, be built into the body, into the kingdom of God through the body of Christ. And so we're going to be having that as an underlying thing for what we're doing this year. But what does it mean to impact the world around us for Jesus Christ. I'm going to hopefully encourage you this morning. Oh, that's, that was my fallback position if we actually couldn't see the sign out the window. Okay, so we got there. And our theme that we're looking at being set free in 2022, 2023, finding freedom in Christ.
But what about making a difference? What about impacting the world by making a difference in our lives? There are people around about us, family, friends, associates, who would think that we were crazy. They would think that we're foolish or they would think that we're mad because we give up our Sundays to come here and sit in this non-air-conditioned building. Did I put that plug in there? Non-air-conditioned building to sing songs and hear me or a preacher speak for half an hour. Some people would think that we're crazy to do that. Some people would think that we're mad. Some people would think that we're crazy or mad or foolish if we want to see changes happen in our community by seeing people's lives changed by the power of God. They would criticise us for wasting our time, energy and money for religious purposes. Anybody ever had that sort of criticism? Yeah, it's been out there, hasn't it? That's the risk that you and I face of following Jesus. The risk is that we will be considered foolish or mad for the sake of Jesus and the good news that he offers. It's not uncommon, you know. I found these couple of stories. A child writes, Dear God, the bad people laughed at Noah, saying, You made an ark on dry land, you, dry land, you fool. But Noah was smart. He stuck with you. That's what I would do. Signed, your friend Nan. Everybody else thought he was foolish, but Noah knew that he was doing what God wanted him to do. So this young girl was going to stick with God. A famous uh, preacher from the US, Henry Ward Beecher, went up into his pulpit one Sunday morning, and when he got there, there was an envelope, an unmarked envelope, and inside it was a piece of paper. He took the piece of paper out and had one word on it, fool, F-O-O-L. So someone was obviously saying that he was a fool. And his response to that was interesting. He had a bit of a chuckle to himself, and then he held up the paper for the congregation to see, fool. I've known many an instance of a man writing letters and forgetting to sign his name. But this is the only instance I've ever known of a man signing his name and forgetting to write the letter. (laughs) Nice response. What about us, though? Are we prepared to make an impact or make, make a, have an impact for Christ by making a difference? Even if it means we get a letter in the letterbox, unsigned, because nobody wants to own up to that, you fool. That's the choice we need to make. It's a risk we take in being followers of Jesus. But I want to tell you today that I believe Jesus are mad, but believers are mad. Why? Because we can make a difference. So I could say, who wants to be a mad believer by putting hands up today, but I won't. But if you want to make a difference, then listen to what John writes in his letter in 1 John. We're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 21. I will have it on the screen in a moment, but if you want to follow along in your Bible, please open to there. Because he says that we can make a difference by living a life of love. We can be mad believers, believers who are making a difference by living a life of love. Let's see what John has to say in his word. So for people who claim to be redeemed, followers, disciples of Jesus Christ, people who claim to be born again, people who claim to be changed by the power of God, if we lived out what we believe to be true, then we would certainly make a difference 
in our own lives, in our family's lives, in the lives of the people around about us. The greatest command that Jesus ever gave, I believe, was this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. There's, there's over a dozen times in the New Testament where we are told to love one another. So if we live a life of love, something's going to happen. I believe we will make a difference by living that life of love. Let's read 1 John chapter 4 together. I'll read the first screen and then you can read the second screen. Okay, hopefully that's not too small for you. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. How about you read the next screen? This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. Clicked it on too quickly. There we are, verse 12. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Well, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him and he in God. Verse 16. And so we know... There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says... And I'm sure that's a passage that you've read before. Let's see what God has to say to us from it. We're actually going to, I'm going to cut it into three slices as it were and look at what it means to live a life of love, what it means to make a difference because we're living a life of love. And the first thing we need to consider is the reality of love. And the love that's spoken of in this passage is the agape love or the agape love, however you want to say it. It's that God's love, God's type of love. God's love shown to us that we need then in turn to show to others. Dear friends, verse 7 says, oh, sorry, first of all in that section, the, the reality of love, it's a command. It's not an option. We don't have the choice of saying, no, I won't choose to love. It's a command that we have to do as followers of Jesus. Verse 7 says, dear friends, let us love one another. Other translations would say, beloved, or, or my beloved. And so there's this sense of Jesus saying to us that we are part of his family, that we are part of his plan. It's a tender, it's a tender command. It's a tender command. 
It's an inclusive command which says, I want you to be involved in what I'm doing. I want you to love one another. And certainly in John's Gospel, this is his letter, but in John's Gospel, I think there's over 20 times we were told to love. It's a command. It's a, an injunction. It's not an option. We don't have the option of not loving. If we want to be healthy in our daily Christian walk, then it's, it's the prescription for that, if you like. And we don't want to go off our meds, do we? We want to stay true to that prescription. We want to do what God wants us to do. Another way of looking at it is that love is our currency. It's what we deal in when we're dealing with one another. So it's a command. It's not, not an option for us to, to know the reality of love in our lives. Love comes from God. And he wants us to replicate that, to show that to one another. Second thingly, that the reality of love is the character of love. In verse 10, um, uh, in this passage, we're told this. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, people who have been here for some time would have heard me tell you my definition of the agape love or the agape love. Something that I heard years ago, so I've made it my own. I didn't invent it, but I've claimed it. Total self-giving for the other person's benefit without any expectation of anything in return. That's the love that we're talked about here, the agape love. And isn't that what God did for us when he sent Jesus to the cross? He loved the world so much that he gave his only son. Whether we responded to him or not, he still showed us that love without expecting anything in return. But he desired that we might respond in faith to him, but he didn't expect it. John, in his letter here, is writing about our love for one another. I've said that. And he wants us to love with the love that God has shown to us. Someone has said, godly love makes the first move. Isn't that what God did? He moved to us first. Godly love makes the first move. Godly love gives when it hurts. Isn't that true of the gospel? Jesus went to the cross and God gave his one and only son for us, even though it pained him. And godly love responds unselfishly. He did it for us, not because he was wanting anything back again. Even the uh, Apostle Paul writes in, in 1 Corinthians these words, and I'm sure you've heard them many a time at wedding ceremonies, about the character of love. Love is patient and kind. It is not boastful, conceited or selfish. It does not envy, does not act improperly, doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It is not easily provoked, nor does it, does it rejoice in righteousness, evil or wrongdoing. But love rejoices in truth. Paul writes again to the Romans that God's love was given to us whether we deserved it or not, he still loved us. And we're commanded to give that love out. Because of the character, the nature of God's love, we can share that love with others around about us. That's the reality of love. And thirdly, we have this connection. Verses 11 to 13, I'll read them again. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. That's the connection, isn't it? No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us 
because he has given us of his spirit. This is the reality of the love that we can live in if we want to make a difference in our lives this year. There's an interesting thing. When we live a life of love, it has a ripple effect. It it reaches beyond us. It reaches to people that we couldn't have imagined, let alone the ones that we really want to love, like our, our husband, wife, or our children, our family, or our extended family, or our friends. This love can reach beyond that, the love that God has shown to us. The first thing, the first place that it reaches, if you don't realize it, is it reaches to the Father. If we love the way God wants us to love, He is blessed because we're doing that. He is the one that is honored. He's the one that is pleased when we confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. He's the one that designed it that way. Uh, some people have called it the circle of love, not the circle of life, the circle of love. The circle of love begins, begins in heaven with the Father, who obviously loves the Son, who loves you and me so much that he allowed the Lord Jesus to die in our place. And when we place our faith in Christ, by confessing Jesus as Lord and Saviour, testifying about him being God's Son and Saviour of the world, then we express our love back to the Father. So it's sort of like a cycle, isn't it? God loves us, sent Jesus, we believe in Jesus, and we express our love back to God. So the reach of our love, if we're obedient, if we're faithful in loving the way God wants us to, God gets blessed because of it. So we touch God, as it were, in our obedience to love the way he desires us to love. I believe the second place that we touch is the church family, one another. The Bible says here, let us love one another. When I read that passage, I remember the time when Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples and he said to them, it is in this way that people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So John's reiterating that there. He's considering that statement of Jesus, I believe, where he wants the church, the people who are the church, to love one another. Total self-giving for the other person's benefit without any expectation of anything in return. That's unselfish love, isn't it? That's what God requires of us. Sadly, sadly, in many churches around our country and across the world, that love isn't expressed. It isn't expressed. Sometimes you can find more love, if you like, in the, in, the, in, in the mates that get together to go fishing or whatever. They'll stand up for each other. But in our churches, certainly in the Australian church and some of the churches that I've heard of, there are people doing their own thing. They're building their own little kingdom, not God's kingdom. They're wanting their own rights. Sadly, they're being offended by what somebody had said rather than the focus being on Christ and what he wants to say. Is it any wonder, if that's happening within churches, how attractive or unattractive is that, rather, to people who are not yet followers of Jesus? We can make a difference. We can be different if we choose to love the way God wants us to love. And that's that selfish, unconditional love. It means we can discover a way to overcome some of those negative things that have happened in the past and that are still happening. We can understand how to overcome conflict or gossip or selfishness or greed. 
or any of those other things. If we have this desire to see the love of God, reach our church families in the way that it should. I wonder what difference it would make if we saw that. And the last point up there, it's not actually in this passage, it's in another passage, but I've included it here as well because there is another avenue of people where the love of Christ or the love of God can reach out to, and that's those that oppose the gospel. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44 says this, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Anyone who hates you, this word hate literally literally means adversary or enemies. And the Bible tells us not to retaliate to people who are against us, not to retaliate to people who are enemies of the gospel. It says, in fact, that we should pray for their salvation. That's a big step to take, isn't it? When we're hurt, when we're intimidated, it's a big step to allow God to give us the strength to pray for that person. But that's certainly the love that's expressed in this scripture here. The, f- the third slice that I want to look at this morning is not just the uh, reality of love or the reach of love, but the response from love. What sort of response do we see when people are, are truly loved in a way that is God-honouring? The, uh, Bill Gaither has been a favourite uh, musician of mine over the years and he wrote this um, musical called Alleluia. And one of the songs of this musical said these things in it. Let me see if it's going to go ahead. He said this. These are the lyrics of one of the songs. Had Christ been a philosopher, they could have debated him. Had he been a warrior, they could have fought him. Had he been a religionist, they could have ignored him as an eccentric. Christ was love and what do you do with that? What do you do when he went to the cross out of love for the whole world? How do you refute that? How do you ignore that is the intent of these lyrics. I wonder if we are, if we are called to respond to Jesus and call, call others to respond to Jesus in that same way, what will God do? What will God do when I submit to this type of love in my life? and to wanting to show that love to other people. I believe there's three things that will happen in our lives if we do this. You can test me on this. You can, if, you, if you're prepared to take the challenge and to live a life of love, look for these things to happen in your life. Let's see what they are. My identity is unquestionable. When I choose to love the way that God wants me to, my identity is, not, is unquestionable. I'm not a Christian because I say I am. I'm a Christian because when the world who doesn't know Jesus sees the change in my life and sees the way that I love people, that will convince them that my faith is unquestionable. My identity is unquestionable. Second thing that will happen is my influence is increased. People listen to Jesus in the records of the gospel, not because he was the son of Christ. They didn't recognize him as that, first of all. They listened to him because he had compassion, they had concern, that he had love for the common person. They listened to him because of what he showed them. The religious people, the religious leaders of the day, they had lost their spiritual influence because they said one thing and did another. And Jesus wasn't like that. When he spoke, when he when he offered his love to people, it was real. It was true. Last year, we, uh, we 
ran a program in the life of the church for emerging leaders called Project 11. It was about uh, helping leaders to be, uh, young, young people to be leaders in the community or in the church, wherever God would have them. And the aim was to see how people who were surrendered to Christ, who had integrity, honesty, uh, who had competence as leaders, could have an influence for Jesus. We're going to run that same program this year. And it's exciting to see where God's taking people. Because our community is crying out for leaders who show honesty, integrity and competence. Uh, in volunteer organisations, let alone the political sphere or the business sphere. The community is crying out for that. So if our influence as followers of Jesus, as believers in Jesus Christ, is increased through the way we love, shouldn't, be, shouldn't that be where we are in the community showing people that? And then the third thing that happens is that my impact is intensified. It's more than a coincidence when people find the truth, when they find the real deal, when they see authentic followers of Jesus, they will follow them. If we're not living out what we believe, then people won't follow us. When we profess Christ as Saviour, the love that he gives us to live out, that will impact our communities, that will impact our lives. I want to finish this morning with a, an illustration from uh, a well-known uh, historical figure, uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Now, most of us won't agree with her uh, theological stand as far as being a Catholic nun, but listen to her words. She was invited to speak at a national uh, prayer assembly in the United States one year, I think it was 1994, and she said this, By blood, I am an Albanian. By citizenship, I am an Indian. By faith, I am a Catholic nun. As to my calling, I belong to the world. As to my heart, I belong entirely to the heart of Jesus. What influence did God have through her as she worked amongst orphans and outcasts in in India? God used her mightily. I wonder... If you want to make a difference in your life, if you want to impact your world, if you want to be mad for Jesus, are you prepared to live a life of love? That's the challenge for us today, isn't it? A love that's authentic, that's um, honest, that's uh, full of integrity. That's what God calls us to do. I believe if we said yes to that today, if individually said yes to that today, God would give, put us in situations where we have to do it, first of all, so there'll be a challenge, there'll be a risk, but there'll also be a blessing of seeing him work in our lives and other people's lives as well. Let's take up the challenge. Let's choose to be mad this week. Let's choose to make a difference this week as we live a life of love based on the love that God has first shown us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the example we have in Jesus. We thank you for the love that you showed to us through Jesus. Father, we thank you that you've uh, expressed your love to us through brothers and sisters in Christ over the years as well. And Lord, we pray that that will continue, strengthened by your spirit, to live a life that shows the love of God to people around about us. Lord, we pray that we will make a difference this week, in in the weeks ahead, in the years ahead. We'll make a difference because we follow Jesus. And we ask for your strength in that, Lord. We know we can't do it on our own. We know that we need your spirit to bring verses back to our mind, to challenge us 
uh, on how we're living, the thoughts, the decisions that we make, we know that that's what your spirit's there for. And so, Father, we look forward to this week. Who will you bring our way or what, what, what life will you lead us into to connect with that we might make a difference for Jesus? We want to do this for your glory, Father, that your name be honoured and your church built up. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.